right, welcome back, everybody. We are here for episode two of Wada Hockey. It is me, Jeffrey K. Fink, at Laces Out Finkel on Twitter, Instagram, and everything in life. With me today, I've got Patrick Smith and Jason Aguirre. Guys, say what's up. Give me your Twitter tag so the people know where to follow you. Well, not everybody at once. Jason, you go ahead and give me your stuff first. Yeah, well, Jason again. Uh, welcome to the show, everybody. You can follow me on Twitter at I am Jason Aguirre. It is private, but go ahead and uh, send a follow anyways, and I'll more than likely accept it. Beautiful. Is it Aguirre? Have I been saying it wrong this whole Aguirre, time? Aguirre, Aguirre, uh, Aguirre, if you were my eighth grade English teacher. Uh, <laughs> so I, I will answer to literally anything. Okay, fair, because I've been butchering <laughs> it like I've been cutting meat since we started. No, I promise you it's perfectly fine. Beautiful. Well, we got also we got Patrick Smith. Patrick, where can we follow you at? Yeah, you can find me uh, on Twitter at King underscore Smith seven. No relation to LeBron James. And oh, on no, Instagram, uh, nah, I can promise no. you, there's no relation to to LeBron James on that one. James, LeBron James, <laughs> LeBron James. And on Instagram uh, at Pat R Smith seven. Like Jason said, private on both, but go ahead and shoot me a follow request. I'm pretty quick on the accepts. There you go. You just got to earn it. Uh, well, perfect. Welcome back, everyone, to episode two of Water Hockey. We've got a lot of stuff in store for you today. We've got some signings going on with the Dallas Stars. We got a little bit of cap discussion, although there's not much left for the team. It looks like they've got everything shored up. Uh, it looks like they've basically got a completed team at this point. And we've got the projected lines that we see coming next uh, next season. Also, we've got around the state. We've got a couple of cool little stories for the El Paso Rhinos, Rhin Rhinos of the NAHL and the Allen Americans of the ECHL. And then we got a little jersey talk to round it out. Speaking of jerseys, make sure to stay tuned for the end of the episode because we do have some updates that we want to go ahead and share with you guys. Uh, first and foremost, uh, how have you guys been since the last episode? Everything going well? Yeah, no complaints here, man. Just uh, hanging in there. Kind of wondering when all this is going to be done, but uh, for the time being, trying to stay indoors, stay out of crowds, and just waiting for Stars Hockey. Yeah, cover your face then now and forever. Don't forget to watch The Bachelor, uh, even though apparently The Bachelorette or Bachelor, wh whoever it is, is just falling in love in all the wrong places. No, The Bachelorette like fell in love with somebody really, I guess, like before the show. Uh, and then it kind of came onto the show and Chris Hansen was pissed or whatever the hell his name <laughs> was. It, is it Chris Hansen or uh, Wait, is, is Chris Chris Hansen's the guy from Dateline NBC to catch the <laughs> <Okay>. predator. <laughs> uh, what, what's the other, the host for The Bachelor? That's that's Chris, the guy who's pissed. That's Chris Harrison. That's Dallas Chris native Harrison. Chris Harrison. Chris oh, I knew, I knew that. I knew, definitely knew that. <laughs> Chris Hansen, Dateline NBC. Why don't you have a seat right here, guys? We'll talk about it. <laughs> Tune in and next Jason, week for more Bachelorette talk. <laughs> yeah. Jason, how are things going on your end? Dude, they, they are great, you know. I got a lot of work. I need to stay indoors as much as I can, but hashtag work life. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. You can't fault you for that. As long as exactly. you keep your face covered and you're distanced socially, I think everything should be well. Um, well, let's just kind of dive right into what's going on with the Dallas Stars. Obviously, they're the biggest story in Texas when it comes to hockey. Uh, a couple of signings have happened since the last time that we jumped in on the podcast. Uh, first and foremost, 
they've got their head coach. Rick Bonus officially announced with the Stars that he would return as head coach after he led the team to a Stanley Cup playoff final uh, for the first time since the year 2000. Uh, Bonus was the interim head coach, obviously, since December, uh, December 10th. Uh, they unceremoniously had to let go of Jim Montgomery for unprofessional conduct, which later came out that he was having some issues with alcoholism. Um, I do like to say anytime we talk about Jim Montgomery that he has bounced back, he has recovered. He actually has a job as an assistant head coach with the St. Louis Blues, so always love to hear that. Um, and the Stars general manager, Jim Nils, said the contract was a two-year deal, so uh, we'll see how long he can stick around for that two-year deal. Does he finish it out? Hopefully so. Takes him back to the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, in his tenure as head coach, Bonus went 2013-5 and five in the regular season uh, as the Stars finished fourth in the Western Conference. And after the cron uh, coronavirus pandemic-induced break from March to July, Bonus then he tweaked the offense to involve the defensemen more in the rush and the offensive zone. It resulted in added offensive punch during the postseason, obviously leading them to the Stanley Cup Finals. How do you guys feel about the contract? How do you guys feel about the signing overall, Jason? I think it's great. Uh, I thought what he did as far as like team chemistry just absolutely worked. And I guess you really got to think about it. Uh, was it the coach that kind of brought it together during the middle of that pandemic, or was it the fact that they were in a bubble and naturally you just got to get closer to your team at that point? And you know, out of boredom, you just had to build that team chemistry. So I'd like to think that it was Bonus who did it, but you know, who, who really knows? Players, of course. Yeah, I agree. I, I think I think a big thing with, with Bonus was definitely his his relationship with the team. He had a lot of interviews. Obviously, we, we live in a day and age where mental health is almost as important, if not more important than physical health, uh, whether it be in personal or professional in sports life at all. Uh, I think he saw that as a big opportunity to really get close to his team. Um, I think John's not playing for the the limited amount of time after he played uh, because of his mental health was, was a big thing. I, I think a lot of coaches might have pushed him to get back on the ice as soon as he could. But but Patrick, how do you feel about bonus? And and how do you think, I mean, I think we graded him overall for what he did. How do you feel about him coming back as head coach? And do you think they gave him the right amount of time? Or do you think maybe he deserved a little bit longer? What what are your thoughts on the entire situation with bonus? Yeah, I think two years is probably right in line with what he wanted. Uh, he's getting up there in age. He's been in hockey for five decades now that's a pretty common talking point on any broadcast that the stars are involved mm -hmm. in i think anything longer than two years is maybe outside of his comfort zone personally with how long he how much longer he wants to be involved if you had asked me this question back in probably february how i felt about another two years <clears throat> if you had asked me back in february how i felt about another two years of rick bonus i probably would have been less than enthused. But mm -hmm. to this point with just how the players have responded to playing for him, they just all want to run through a brick wall for him. And that's been obvious in the ESPN plus special. And I'm sure we're going to see it in Coates video when that comes out here in, I think another week or so. So you really can't replace that sort of commitment to your head coach. So at this point in time, I love the signing. I'm curious to see what he can do. I I wish he could bring in his own staff a little bit rather than use the guys that Monty brought with him, but we'll make do with what we got. Yeah, 
that brings up a really good point. I'm curious to see what they're going to do with their entire front office, with their entire coaching staff, because when bonus was brought into the team, obviously he was brought in as a defensive minded assistant head coach, never really with the intention of moving up to the head coach position. Like you had said, he's been in the, he's been in, in, in hockey for five decades. Now you don't bring a guy like him in to, to coach a, a team as the head coach when he has so much experience in that regards of the defensive mindset. So it'll be curious to see what they do. It'll be curious to see what the team kind of transforms into under an entire season under bonus. Do they kind of stay stagnant and we are sitting here clamoring for them to score more or do we kind of just accept maybe that they are a defensive minded team? I, I speaking of defensive and offensive minded things, Rupe Hintz was re-signed as well. Speaking of the offensive-minded side of hockey in the Dallas Stars, the Stars re-signed the forward to a three-year contract worth $3.15 million annually. The team announced Monday afternoon, this past Monday afternoon, buttoning up its off-season moves. Um, I, I say that there are a couple of more signings that we do have to go over. One more important, one kind of a more fun, let's just talk about it and see where it goes, signing. Uh, but Rupe Hintz, he is your latest signing, and he basically shores up your entire team for the next season, whenever that is. Patrick, I, as far as the signing goes, what do you see Hintz offering as far as numbers-wise? I know in the first season that he played for the Stars, he, he skated for 58 games. Uh, he scored nine goals, 13 assists for 22 points. He did have an uptick in his second full season. Well, I say full season, second full quote-unquote COVID full season. And he had 19 goals and 14 assists with 33 points. Um, what do you expect out of him in the next three seasons? And do you see him as someone that could be on the block for the expansion? I know that since he is signed to this contract now, I believe the Seattle Kraken do have a crack don't quote me at taking him off of the books for the stars and putting him on the Kraken team. Full disclosure before I give my opinion, I did just purchase a rope hints Jersey. So I may be a little biased in that. I hope the Kraken don't take him because I want this Jersey to be relevant and wearable to stars games over the next three years and beyond. So fingers crossed, he's not on the chopping block for the expansion draft. <laughs> yes, I think we all we all agree with you. But yeah, what's 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 now that we know that you have the jersey and it's obviously it's it's stated that you want him to be here for the full amount of the contract, if not further, if they could re-sign him when the time comes. What's your what's your realistic ceiling as far as points wise? I mean, like I said, twenty two points in the first year. Uh, 33 points in the second year and he's only going into this next season at 24 years old so i think points are a good indicator right for any hockey player especially forwards but i think one thing that's really interesting to look at for rope hints is his shot percentage in his first year he had a 9.1 shot percentage conversion rate so scoring on nine percent of the shots nine goals on 165 attempts in his second year that jumped up almost seven percentage points to to 15.8 on only 30 43 additional shot attempts so he was shooting at really not that much higher of a rate but converting those chances at a much higher rate from the previous year almost doubling his his percentage hitting the back of the net 
if he can continue to develop, and as we saw in the postseason, uh, this is his second year in a row being hobbled at the very least with a broken bone of some sort. If he can stay healthy and make it through a full season and a full postseason, I don't think 30 goals is out of the question, especially as his time on ice continues to grow. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think another cool stat to kind of look at, too, is the power play assists. He went from having three power play assists in his first season back in 1819, jumping up to 11 in the 1920 COVID shortened season. Uh, Jason, kind of in the same realm, as far as uh, point percentage, what are point production? What do you see Rupe hints? Let's let's I'm going to give you a number. Let's say 40. Let's yeah. say Rupe's point percentage goes up from 33 points to let's say the bar is at 40 going into the 20 and 21 season. What's your over under? Do you see him scoring over that? Or do you see him staying under that little 40 range? I 100% see him going over. I mean, he's going to be on the line probably with Gary Hoff and Robertson. I don't see why they wouldn't be able to put up the numbers. I don't, I don't know, 45, 50 points even. I mean, between the two of them, they're both going to they're gonna nail the man. This is each other. I, I definitely agree. I, I, I'd love to see him over 40. I think if you're going to sign him for that contract for three years, you're showing a little faith, especially in an offseason where you're seeing a ton of two-year contracts, whether it be in the coaching department like Rick Bonus, or if you go just down the sheet of free agents, restricted, unrestricted, that have signed a two-year contracts. It's, it's pretty wild to see anything different than a two-year contract. And speaking of offensive output, uh, another big signing at the Dallas Stars came out with was Dennis Garyanov. The Stars re-signed Garyanov to a two-year contract worth $2.55 million annually. The club announced uh, that they had secured the former first-round pick after he led the Stars in goals during the 2019 and 2020 regular season. Um, in his rookie season, Garyanov scored a team-high 20 goals, Bursting onto the scene as one of the top rookie scorers in the NHL. Uh, in the playoffs, he had a couple of memorable performances, first by scoring four goals in a Game 6 win over Calgary in the first round, and then by blasting a one-timer to win the Western Conference Game 5 overtime win against Vegas. But Gary Onoff scored just one goal in his final 14 postseason games. And this is a huge signing for the Stars. That was a one piece that you needed to kind of push over as far as the dominoes went for closing the doors on the moves that the stars were going to go and make to secure their team for the next season really quickly as far as his numbers go he's only been in the league for just over two seasons and the reason that I say just over two seasons as he only played one game in the 2016-17 season. Uh, he only had four points in the 18-19 season and then nine, or 29 points scoring 20 goals and eight, or nine assists in the 19-20 season. Jason, real quick, what do you think of the signing? Do you see Garyanov being the team leader in goal scored again coming into the next season? I really think he's going to be our next Miro. I mean, Miro's obviously our current Miro, but I think he's going to be our next uh, rookie that we're all over. And and I, and I say rookie in my air quotes over here that you can't really see. Uh, I, I, I heard them. I heard them through the mic. You're good. Good, good, good. Uh, no, but I think uh, with him and Rope on the, on the line together, uh, I think uh, we kind of talked about the shot percentage uh, increase. 
uh, from 2018 to 2019. I think that was all the way across the board. One of the biggest things I think that Bonus and, and Montgomery kind of instilled in this team this year were to take quality chances rather than quantity of chances. Uh, and I think it, a lot of people were frustrated because, you know, you would see somebody like or somebody like Radulov, like that would have maybe a, a great opportunity uh, and then kind of pass it off to Ben or Sagan or something like that. And then that would be the 100% nail in the coffin opportunity. I, and I think it was just patience with Garyanov. I, I think it was very, very evident in the playoffs, you know, for sure. I mean, he came up clutch in two, two or three games. And, and I think it's just that little bit of uh, that weight, you know, that these players have been kind of instilled with in this season. Yeah, I definitely see where you're coming from. I think that's a good point. Uh, Patrick, I think something that we should absolutely touch on, and I think this is something that the numbers just blatantly state. Uh, Jason was saying that, this is a guy that's going to go on a line really well with Rupe Hints. Uh, speaking of those young guys and the lines and the time on ice, I hear a lot of fans and I heard a lot of fans really complain about the amount of time that Garyanov was on the ice. Now, he did see an uptick the 2018-19 season to the 2019-20 season. Granted, he only played 21 games in the previous season, 64 in this last one. From 10 minutes and 52 seconds to 12 minutes and 59 uh, seconds average on ice time. Do you see that, let's just say, 13 minutes going up? Or do you see it kind of dwindling? Or do you see it staying the same with Bonus being his head coach once again? The Stars fan in me wants that ice time to go up, obviously. Because when Gurionov's on the ice, like we mentioned a little bit in the last episode, he causes problems between his speed, his chippiness in the offensive zone, just his overall presence when he's on the ice. It's an issue for teams to deal with because he's so much faster than everybody else on the ice. And that's obvious if you watch him for any amount of time. It's interesting when you listen to Bonus talk about Gurionov because Stars fans, like you mentioned, have been clamoring for him to be on the ice more. And Bonus has always said, well, it's not about the time on ice. It's about the number of shifts that he runs. And he runs 20 to 25 shifts a night, which is fine. With somebody like Gurionov, where so much of what he does is influenced by his rhythm and his momentum once he's on the ice, the more time that you give him, within reason, of course, the more time he is able to get behind the diff- the last line of defense, the more time he's available to set up to set up on that right circle for the one-timer and just generally be a pest and, and an option anytime the Stars can make it into the offensive zone. Yeah, I think, I think the main point that I want to bring up that you commented on uh, was his disruption and his chippiness. Uh, again, he did have only 21 games in the NHL in 18, 19, and 64 in 19, 20, but you did see a giant jump in production for his hits, uh, 23 back in that first season and 63 in that second season. Mind you, he also got in a fight with Jordy Ben. Let's not forget about that little Donnie Brook. I mean, it didn't really, it wasn't the most graceful of, of bouts I've ever seen, but the fact that he threw down his gloves was definitely something to remember. Um, I, I do want to jump on one more signing before we, we look at the lines coming up in the, the upcoming season, whenever that may be. Maybe the biggest signing of the offseason for the Dallas Stars and maybe even for the NHL, 
Um, a young Finnish defenseman by the name of Julius Honka re-signed with the Dallas Stars to a one-year two-way contract last week on Friday worth a whopping $700,000. I have to go Christopher Walken on that one. In uh, a $90,000 AHL contract, that's a little two-way back and forth for you. Um, Honka was the first-round pick for the Stars in 2014. He was number 14 overall. He played last season in the Finnish Liga, and he was playing with a team by JYP. He had 15 points in 46 games. He played in Finland after he did not sign with the Stars' qualifying offer in the summer of 2019, and then he asked for a trade from the organization. Uh, because he was buried on the defensive depth chart. Hey, kid, you don't play well. You don't get to play with the big boys. They never traded Honka. They kept the rights to him. And I guess we're going to see that he has the chance to make this 2021 roster when the season begins. Um, and his salary is at the league minimum for next season. So for me, literally lowest risk, highest reward you can think of. Um, Jason, what do you think of the signing? Are, are you excited to see Honka back? Is the hashtag free Honka movement up and running again for you? What, what's, what's your expectation for Honka? Do you even see him cracking a position with the Dallas stars or do you see him spending a majority of his time down there with the Texas stars in the AHL? I think we'll see more of him at Cedar park right now. And I mean, he's got to prove himself. I mean, if he's got a league minimum. You got to put up the numbers, put up the numbers, and then you can, like you said, play with the big boys. Your shot percentage uh, in 2018, 2019 was literally zero. You took 38 shots, <laughs> 40 goals, bud. You played 29 games. Hell, I'm a fucking, you know, sorry. I'm a beer <laughs> here, and, you know, I'm still putting up numbers myself, dude. Just I, obviously, I'm not playing on the same competition here, but. That was a, that, well, hold on. That was a humble brag. You got it. You pumped the tires. <laughs> that on was that a one. humble brag. Hey, I mean, it's part of it, though. I'm a freaking <laughs> defenseman myself. And so, like, dude, uh, score some goals. It's not that hard. Granted, not, I'm also not playing against Bishop either, though. But No, that's completely fair. I completely agree. Um, Patrick, do you kind of find it funny that uh, Honka decided that all of a sudden he didn't want to trade from this franchise after the Stars went all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals two wins away? Uh, and now, and now Honka wants to come back. He wants to play for the team again. Uh, what, what do you think about that? And and what do you think if you're inside that locker room and say he does earn himself a spot with the NHL uh, team? How do, how do you feel if you're another defenseman or another player on that team that's worked and scratched and clawed? How do you feel when he walks into that that clubhouse into that locker room? I think uh, it's purely coincidental that he is now not demanding a trade right i mean completely <laughs> surely has nothing to do with the recent run this the guys that are in the locker room they probably are used to it everybody wants to be on the winning team everybody wants to be on that team that has a chance to lift the cup at the end of the year if anything they see it as okay we're just gonna try and put you in your place if you can rise above and you can prove that you deserve to be here with the rest of us, then welcome in. And I'm sure Bonus would mirror that sentiment as well. But I think I'm going to have to agree with Jason. I think he's going to be stuck down in Cedar Park. Uh, ideally, Stephen Johns is back, fingers crossed, at least. If he's not, there may be a chance for Honka, with some showing down in Cedar Park, to make a few appearances in Dallas. 
just to get his feet wet, see what he can do. But I really don't think he's going to be too much of a factor. I'm sorry to the hashtag free Honka crowd, but he's really not going to have any impact. I mean, something tells me that that crowd is pretty much all but extinct at this point. I don't see him making an impact either. I really want him to. Like I said, it's a low-risk, high-reward. The high-reward can be as high as the Stanley Cup final once again, but it's $700,000. It shows me that you're really not investing a lot in the guy, especially when he was 14th overall and he's only 24 years old. Um, Moving on from Honka, because honestly, I looked up his stats. I have one quick uh, hypothetical here. Uh, Who do you think will see more time in the NHL? Julius Honka or his brother Antony. I mean, I haven't done any research on Antony, but if he's anything like Julius, um, neither. Can I? Is the is is the answer neither a, a choice? I'm trying to uh, look up a little more right now. I just saw that he was uh, related to him, obviously. Uh, but you know, he drafted uh, third round, 83rd overall in 2019. So let's see. A quick Google and, search will get me where are we at with him. And Tony Honka also plays for JYP of the Finnish Uh-oh. Liga. Oh, it uh, looks like. And he's only 20 years old, too. Right. So um, they're both uh, undersized defensive Finnish players, both under six foot. Uh, looks like Antony is, is a little bit lighter in weight. Um, I also don't see any statistics on hockeyreference.com. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not seeing uh, anything. <laughs> So I'm going to say Julius is going to be the one that we're going to see with more NHL time, although it is TBD because Anthony is a little bit younger uh, by four years, so he does have some time to really ship up and shape out or shape – what is it? I don't even know these days. With yeah, kids ship these up days, and shape out. Ship up and shape out. He's got plenty of time to do those things. Um, but, yeah, he I had- – I, <laughs> He had 19 points in 43 games with JYP in this Uh-oh. most recent season. Uh, here comes Carolina knocking down that door like uh, he's going to be called up soon. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure Carolina with their <laughs> uh, with their Whalers throwbacks are, are waiting to get a Honka jersey on the shelves. Um, but moving on from the signings, because obviously it, it's we're at a point now where the Stars just don't have any cap space. They're... $257,000 just at $258,000 uh, in projected cap space. You're not going to be able to do anything with that. You're not going to be able to make a signing with that. There are some interesting scenarios with long-term injury reserve contracts with Sagan and Bishop and possibly, but we hope not, Stephen Johns. Um, those They don't give a lot of relief. They probably give you enough relief to maybe sign one or two smaller positions to kind of shoe in and take the spots of Sagan, Bishop, and Johns. With Johns, I don't really see that being a problem because they do have so many defensemen kind of clogging up towards the bottom of the well. Um, but let's just jump into the lines. And I want to go ahead and present to you guys. This is what dailyfaceoff.com has as the top lines for the Dallas Stars. Uh, this is obviously factoring in the injuries to the aforementioned Johns, Bishop, and Sagan. So we're going to go ahead and start off. You've got Ben, Pavelski, Radulov. I don't think anyone's really surprised about that. Um, let me go ahead and preface everything else with let's take this with a grain of salt. 
We don't even know when the season's going to start. We also know Bonus is really famous for shifting his lines even mid-game. So first line, Ben Pavelski, Radulov. No one's surprised. Second line, this one's intriguing, especially because of what dailyfaceoff.com has at right wing or who they have at right wing, rather. You've got Dennis Garyanov on the left wing. You've got Rupe Hintz at center. Again, two no surprises. Then they've got Jason Robertson lined up at right wing on your second line. For me personally, and this is someone who we briefly talked about before, that's someone who I first off see is a huge surprise for them to put him up that high, especially when you've got Dickinson sitting down there on the fourth line, who we will get to. Uh, so Robertson coming in as a rookie at that second line position, going to be really interesting to see if he can play himself into a spot. Um, you've got the Fox line at third. There's no need to go into any depth about them. They mess up. Everyone that, that steps in front of them, they call them the fuck them up line for a reason because they fuck them up. That's all I got to say about that. Uh, cover your ears, bad words. Uh, fourth line, you've got Kibiranta, playoff sensation. Justin Dowling at center, which is another interesting one. And Jason Dickinson, everyone's favorite. I got hit in the face guy on your fourth line. Guys, what do you what do you see in these lines? What do you think about the lines? Um, obviously, Dowling and Robertson are the big surprises for me. Um, what do you guys feel like the lines are like right now, Patrick? What's your what's your your take on these? Jason Robertson on that second line is really interesting. He had about 12 minutes average ice time in the limited showings that he had, but he has a real fire and he's shown that he's willing to scrap. He's willing to fight down in the offensive zone, which is what you want from your forwards. And he's shown that he is not scared of the big stage. I'm sure he had nerves uh, when he made his debut in Toronto against the Maple Leafs this year, but it didn't really seem to show. So I'm curious why he's listed as the second line, but to be quite honest with you, I'm not that mad about it. If he can show that he's willing to lead that line um, at the center position, and he is not scared of the big lights, which he clearly isn't, then wherever we can get points, wherever we can get production, let's do it. Let's roll with it. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I think this is a season that's going to be defined by youth even more so than the previous seasons with guys like like Miro and Garyanov and Hintz. Um, I think one one interesting note about Robertson uh, before Jason, we we jump into your opinion on the on the lines. Um, he's got a brother, Nick Robertson. Uh, who also made his debut uh, with the Maple Leaves. We just talked about them playing against the Maple Leaves. Uh, and and uh, Robertson, I believe, got his first NHL goal in the playoffs. Uh, pretty pretty animated about it. So uh, something in the water with the Robertson family. Obviously with, with uh, Nick and Jason both making some some impacts in, at the NHL level. Uh, Jason, the question that I pose to you um, – you know, you see guys like Robertson who are a big surprise, uh, and then you obviously have to be surprised by Dowling kind of squeezing in on the fourth line. Again, this is dailyfaceoff.com. These are not our opinions. This is just from what the website shows us. Um, who is your standout on the offensive lines that you think is going to make a big leap coming into next season? Uh, I think I'm going to have to go with uh, Kivirata here. Uh, I think with the youth uh, that he brings and the energy that he brings, like well, the, that he brought to the playoffs, I I don't see him sitting uh, back on this fourth line. I could see him taking over uh, for Cagliano or something like that, or even 
I mean, hell, we could throw him on a line with Garyanov if Robertson isn't panning out very well. I but mm-hmm. to keep that youth going, uh, you know, with Ben Pavelski Radulov on a line, you know, that that's obviously some some age, but also with that age comes that experience. So I think it's I think it's a way for bonus to get these young guys with each other and and keep playing and and build those bonds. And I you know I think it's it's going to be fun, uh, but I definitely, uh, I'm going to say Kevin Ranta will not stay on this fourth line very long. I see him taking over uh, on the three line and he'll even being up on a second line. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm doing just some real, real spot research as far as what the kids are down in the AHL level right now. Um, you've got Ty Delandria, Riley, Amiani, um, they're showing Jason Robertson down uh, left wing in the minors right now. Obviously, we know that's not going to stick. Um, I, I think an interesting name, and this is someone that we brought up on the, the last episode, um, is Joel Esperance. Uh, he does have some minor experience in the NHL or at the NHL level, rather. But I think it's really going to it's gonna go between Tidal Andrea and Esperance for that, that fourth-line center position um, battling with Dowling. Um, as far as as Kibiranta goes, I completely agree. I think he he is obviously comfortable at the NHL level. He's comfortable with the lines that he's going to be uh, short up with. Um, I, I don't see them breaking up the the uh, Foxa line. Um, I think that's probably easily one of your most solid lines. I don't think uh, you really saw them deviate from the plan too much as far as splitting them up. Uh, real quick, just to dive into the defensive pairings, though. Obviously, at the top, you've got Essel and Dell and, and John Klingberg. No surprise there. Um, no surprise at the second line either. Um, Big Rig, Jamie Alexiak, and Miro Heiskinen. Uh, just a beautiful compliment from the size and speed of Heiskinen uh, with, with Alexiak's big, powerful play. Um, and then you have the re-signed Sekera and the newly signed uh, Pissick both sitting at the third line. And, and that's going to be an interesting kind of clog to me because you do have Pissick sitting there. Um, you also have Thomas Harley and Joel Hanley both kind of clawing and scratching for, uh, you know, those that, that bottom line of the defensive of, of the defensive pairings. The defensive pairings, we don't have to dive into too, too much. I think we all know exactly what's going on, just like what I said right there. But, I mean, really, I think, guys, we, we have the Dallas Stars uh, of the 2020-2021 season. You know, what, what I, I know we went over expectations on the last episode. Now that we've got this team lined up, how do you feel about it? And, and do you think that maybe a contract that we gave to someone could have gone to somebody else? Is there anybody off the top of your head that you would rather have the team have signed, whether it be to a veteran minimum contract or another style contract that you can think of right off the bat. So I'm just going to jump in here, and I really hate that I'm going to say this, but I wish we could bring back Corey Perry. I knew you were going to say it. I was waiting for it. I could tell by the the, the pause in your voice that it, it was going to be Corey Perry. So, I, I mean, I think I agree with you, but I have to know, why would you bring Corey Perry back? And, and maybe what contract do you not offer up? Do you not re-sign Sekera? Do you not reach out to Pissick and or Honka? What, what, what exactly do you think could have played out here? The reason for bringing back Corey Perry is, one, he is just a shitster. I mean, yeah, he takes the occasional uh, boneheaded penalty. He gets ejected from games, like we mentioned on the last episode as well. But he just brings a fire to the team. And he gets in the other team's heads. I mean, he draws penalties. 
he had multi- multiple games in the Stanley Cup Finals where he drew two, three, four penalties. And he just kind of brings that veteran savvy of where is the line that I can kind of toe so that the referees don't really see it, but the opposing team definitely does. What can I do to cause issues? I, I, I just didn't say, I think that's something uh, extremely valuable that people kind of overlook. Not to dog on the new guy. I just don't know a whole lot about him. And um, I, I'm not sure what his fit is just yet until we really see him on the ice uh, with Sekera, and that's Mark Pissick. It's nothing against him as a player or anything like that. I would just almost rather bring in Corey Perry and bring in the chemistry that he already has with the team and give either Harley or Hanley uh, a shot under the big lights. They've kind of had a taste, but it really all comes down to whether you want more of a defensive-minded defensive pairing, as little sense as that seems to make, or you want more offense out of your defenseman. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I think those are all really good points. I, I'm I'm curious as well to see how Pissick really fits in with his team. Uh, Jason, a little bit different of a question now that we have got this entire team shored up for the next season, and this is kind of going off what Patrick was talking about with Corey Perry. Who is your designated shitster? Who's going to be your guy that gets in the face of the other team? I mean, obviously, we had Radulov taking dumb, boneheaded penalties, but it wasn't necessarily for getting in the face of the other team. Uh, he's not really known as a fighter, even though he does look like a warthog, as some other podcast personalities like to say. Who's going to be your guy? Who's going to be the guy that steps up? I mean, obviously, there are some names that are circulating in my head right now, but I'm curious as to, as to hear who you've got in line. Uh, I'm going to say either... Klingberg can step up and try to be a big man. I know he's got some height there, not necessarily the size, but uh, I think he's kind of earned a, a veteran status, if you will, to and he's shown that he can be a leader on the ice. And now it's time to step up and and not necessarily wear the C and be that captain and be that leader, but you're going to be that on ice presence that whenever you're out there, hey, I am going to throw you into the boards uh, whenever you come too close to my goalie or something like that. Uh, either that or, or I mean, you don't want to throw Rads there, but I think Rads can be that guy to piss people off. And you kind of need that to to stir that energy. And, and whether that's taking a, a bonehead penalty, whether it's a stupid slashing call and it's not really a slashing call. And I don't want to talk about that one. Uh, there was a game <laughs> six or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but dude, that was, I think he's, he might be your guy, but maybe, I don't know, hindsight thinking about it right now, maybe he's not the best person for it because I guess the league knows him as that. And so I don't know. You just got to, instill the fear i guess whenever you step on that ice and i think rads or klingberg could be that for you i think it's an interesting take i think klingberg is definitely someone that uh can ruffle some feathers i'm i'm gonna personally lean on the side of size and go with uh jamie alexiak uh big rig he's got the yeah it's you're hard pressed to, to not think about him as far as getting in the face of somebody um, when it comes to those daily physical feats. Um, I'll be curious to see, you know, how, how things shake out with him. Uh, Pissick is, is 6'1", 196. I mean, he's no slouch. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I'm excited to see how things go uh, coming up in the next season. 
Um, and that's really going to do it as far as, as stars talk. I mean, this is a, this is a Texas hockey podcast. We want to cover all things, Texas, uh, a couple of real quick points, really cool things that we've seen around the league. Green Bay Packers running back, uh, Aaron Jones was seen walking into the field, uh, sporting a El Paso Rhinos Jersey. And a lot of you are asking, uh, what? I don't even know what that is. Uh, first and foremost, go look it up. They've got some sick uniforms. Um, the I think uh, it's badass. It is a thing of beauty. It is so sick. I'm probably going to have to buy one, and, and that's not even a joke. Um, El Paso is the uh, the recipient of the Kraft Hockeyville 2020 award. And for those of you that are thinking, oh, so they got a bunch of boxes of mac and cheese. Uh, I mean, though, as, as valuable as those would be, Long story short, their home rink there in El Paso, uh, they won a, a competition. The El Paso County Coliseum Event Center is going to be receiving $150,000 in rink upgrades uh, playing into their next season, which they have already started. The El Paso Rhinos are a NAHL uh, junior hockey team. They don't feed into any major league or NHL hockey team, but they are a junior hockey team. So got to show them respect. Um, if you haven't seen the uh, the jersey, please go check it out. Um, it kind of brings me. What, what about you guys? As far as like your minor league hockey jerseys, do do any minor league hockey jerseys stand out to you? Um, because like we were saying, these jerseys are just absolutely filthy sick. Honestly, El Paso was about it for me. Uh, but like as far as like famous ones go, and I think El Paso is kind of notorious for having uh, cool logos and, and, and cool jerseys. Uh, if you're familiar with their baseball, the minor league baseball team that El Paso has, the El Paso Chihuahuas, I fell mm-hmm. in love with those jerseys the second I saw them. I went out and got a Chihuahuas hat and everything, and it was great. But I, I think they're kind of notorious for coming up with great uh, and funky, you know, uh, mascots for their teams. Yeah, I agree. I think they've got a lot of, uh, got a lot of creative leeway. Patrick, do you have any uh, minor league jerseys that kind of stick out to you as far as creativity? So I don't have any that are current. I do have one from about 10 years ago, the Columbia Inferno Road jersey. I don't know if you've seen this, but this thing is awesome. It's got flames running up the bottom. It's black primary. Their logo is a firefighter Dalmatian. Okay, uh, I I pulled it right up immediately. It is fantastic. It's everything that you would ever want in a jersey, whether it be NHL or minor leagues. I mean, that is fantastic. Just with the minor league motif that so many teams are going with, and that's especially common in baseball, but it's nice to see it in hockey. It definitely fits with what you would expect a minor league jersey to look like. Yeah, uh, if if you're curious, if you're wanting to look that up, yeah, it is the Columbia Inferno ECHL road jersey from the year twenty or excuse me, two thousand one and two thousand two. Yeah. Check that out. That is a that is a sick jersey. That is something that I might have a couple of glasses of whiskey and find that on eBay. Yeah, that that thing is is just perfection for minor league hockey. I think another jersey uh of note would be the uh Ottawa sixty sevens. Uh, probably, probably my favorite minor league hockey team. It's just not necessarily hockey team, but jersey for sure. Those jerseys are so—they're very old school. They're super classic, mm-hmm. and, and they're just that logo. It's, it just looks like it hasn't been updated since the '67. So, 
<laughs> I, I am I'm digging the uh the horizontal red, white, and black lines on top of each other stacked. That's a that's a really good classic look. Um well speaking of one more well, one more note before we jump into more jersey talk because we could probably talk jerseys forever. Um the ECHL has a plan to play in place. So it looks like they're going to be splitting up the 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 seasons between jurisdictions because some jurisdictions are not allowing um, due to COVID nineteen restrictions for teams to 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 start playing right away. Um, but I do have some good news for the Dallas locals, the Allen Americans, which is the ECHL affiliate, the feeder team up into the. Um, Iowa Wild, which ultimately leads to the Minnesota Wild, um, they are going to start their season on December 11th, and they will be, I believe, allowing a limited amount of fans back into the arenas. Don't quote me on that, but it's something that we should be able to look forward to. Um, Jason and myself were very fortunate uh, this past season, this year, actually, to uh, cover a couple of those games. So, uh, definitely look for Wada Hockey to be making a statement with the Allen Americans, some local hockey definitely coming back. Um, but speaking of jerseys, the Dallas Stars have announced not one, which we'll get into, but two as of today, new jerseys coming for the 2020-2021 season. Um, Patrick is actually wearing one of the new jerseys right now. It is the Stars Blackout jersey. Uh, guys, first and foremost, Patrick, I think we know your opinion on these jerseys because you own one, you're wearing one. Um, my opinion is these things are sharp as a knife. Uh, Jason, what are you thinking? I mean, I, I, there, there's some polar opposite uh, opinions out there uh, with this blackout jersey. You know, I'm not going to lie. When they first like unveiled it, I wondered what the hell they were doing with it. I mean, because we started seeing like, rumors, <laughs> we started seeing rumors come out and, uh, and one of the Oh, I can't remember who it was exactly that tweeted it, but they tweeted what ultimately was the jersey. And the one thing I could think of in the back of my head is like, why are they going with this lime green? And then the day came, October 28th, they announced it. And then they put out that sick, sick video. And they kind of gave the backstory of it. And obviously they went with the that neon green uh, to kind of uh, resemble the Dallas skyline with the Bank of America building. And I was like, oh my gosh, this just makes so much more sense. This is beautiful. Uh, and now I kind of wish Victory Green was actually like this neon green now. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely think the the uh, the media team deserves a raise. Kudos to the media team on this. Um, Patrick, what? obviously you're a fan. I mean, you're sitting in a jersey right now. You've got the number 24 Rupe Hints blackout jersey. What's, uh, what is your favorite part of the jersey? What do you think, um, if you could change anything about it, what would you change? And, and you know, overall, what are your thoughts on the entire uniform? If I could change anything, I wish the green was just a smidge closer to the Bank of America green. Okay. It is very much neon green in the truest sense of the word. I will say that the media videos that were released do not really give an accurate representation of what the green looks like in person. That's more of like a yellow highlighter green mm -hmm. once you factor in the editing and the bar lights that have become so popular within Stars Media and Stars Game presentations. But it's it's really a lot closer to green green. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think you're right. I I went and picked up a couple of uh, pieces. I picked up a pretty cool hoodie and a, and a hat, and and was able to see the jerseys up close. I think you're 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 right. I'm I'm really curious to see what these things are going to look like on ice in comparison to the ice itself. They're going to look badass. Yeah, I'm like. I'm completely sold. I know there are some out there that whined and and moaned and and became wet blankets over the fact that. Uh, didn't show the the old school stars and and this and that. Where's the where's the ode to the history? And and as much as I'm a, a fan of those jerseys and I'm a fan of the 1999 and 2000 playoff runs, uh, those are in the past. And and I know that I'm I've been a big you know proponent of of asking for uh, new jerseys. And and honest to goodness, I'm I was blown away. I love these jerseys. I love the fact that they. They made a bold statement with taking the secondary logo and putting it right there smack dab on the chest. It's huge. It covers up a ton of territory. Um, and my favorite part is the subtle little Dallas Stars on the helmet. I think that's something that goes unnoticed, and it's uh, just another it's just another opportunity to sell some merchandise. So um, kudos to the Stars creative team, the front office, the ownership from top to bottom. Um, a really fun fact about this, and I'm sure you guys have seen this. If you haven't, here you go. Um, this was actually designed the exact same time that they spent designing the winter classic jerseys. Uh, it was uh, kind of written in a couple of pieces in the media that, uh, Tom Gallardi and Jim Neal were in cahoots, uh, back in the very, uh, late parts of, I believe it was 2018 going into 2019 when they were, alerted that they were going to get the winter classic that they started working on this jersey so uh, just a really cool moment of a culmination of years of planning coming together and 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 again just kudos to the stars media uh, team for getting together and really giving us a good tease that being said don't put your wallets away there's another jersey coming out and it's coming out at the end of november if you haven't seen it yet, Adidas released a Twitter advertisement of a silhouette of a guy in a backwards baseball cap walking away from the camera and his entire body and entire picture flashing different colors with different numbers on the back of the person. And people have already, myself being one of people, have already gone in and gone full Carmen Sandiego detective mode on this thing and dissected what each and every single one of the numbers means on these jerseys. But we are only going to comment on the Stars jersey because that's the one that matters most to us. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. It is the number 99 with the white and the victory green on the silhouette. Guys, I think we know what this means. All of the numbers represented something big, whether it be for a jersey or the team in that specific year. Um, if you live under a rock, or if you've never realized what the sport of hockey championship is, it's a little thing called the Lord Stanley's Cup. And the Dallas Stars won it in 1999. That's the number on the back of this guy's jersey. Speculation, let's fly. Patrick, what are we going to see with this jersey? I think we're going to get the 99 green, gold, black, star on the bottom outline. Oh, we're going to get it updated in victory green, white, silver, and black, and I'm going to have to buy it. I know. My wallet weeps for this this year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to, and I may not be able to afford it, but I'm going to do it. Oh, Mar- your words have been marked. 
Uh, Jason, I mean, what what are you thinking? Are you on the on the same boat? Are we going to get the the bottom jagged star, uh, you know, outline on the bottom of the jersey? What what are your thoughts? It's all I can actually hope for. Like I I want nothing more than that. Honestly, uh, it, it's that was such a classic jersey for me. That was like my favorite jersey. I still have that jersey. Everything about that jersey, I loved. You know, it, I like the fact that I had Darian Hatcher on the back of my jersey. That was who I wanted to be. It was amazing uh that jersey was so much fun and so i i want to uh i just hope it is updated with i uh i could not agree more i'm i'm literally just sitting here uh, thinking of the amount of money that i'm going to be shelling at this team um a a really good uh friend of mine always likes to tell me to advertise myself um which is an ode to what the next uh story is going to be for us but um I, I'm a hardcore stars hockey fan, and so that's basically advertising myself. That's what I like to let's, do. Let's so, just say it's a good thing uh, we finished refinancing our house, so I have a little money to spend <laughs> uh, a couple a couple jerseys frivolously. So, I think it's safe to say then for everybody that's listening, that's obviously family members of myself, Patrick, and Jason. Um, you know, we'll leave our sizes uh, and the links and bios for these podcasts. <laughs> Um, just feel free to purchase these jerseys for us. Um, and, and we will be forever in your debt come Christmas time. Um, that being said, um, before we wrap up this episode, I do want to let everybody know about a really exciting development guys. This is only episode number two. Um, and we're already rock stars. We've already got people knocking down our doors. We've already got people just coming from us left and right on Twitter and who says it and who knows it and who wants it. Um, we are going to be releasing some hoodies. I know I've sent this to a lot of people. I've already got some people that are lined up to buy these hoodies. Keep an eye out on our social media. We'll be slowly but surely releasing more and more designs. Um, we've been working with a fantastic company, Rival Hockey. Make sure to check them out. They are on all of the pictures that we will be posting, whether it be on our personal or on our professional Twitters, Instagrams, Facebooks, LinkedIn's, you names it's who's what sits. Um, and that's just the beginning. Um, we've already had a blast doing this episode and the first episode. Uh, we look forward to doing more episodes in the future uh, and, and, and really just nailing down as much information regarding Texas hockey for each and every one of you. So thank you so much for the support that you guys have all given us already. And we cannot wait to see how much we can make this show grow. That's really all we have as far as Texas hockey goes. I mean, it is still the off season for the professional leagues. Uh, Patrick, do you have anything um, you want to leave off with? Yeah, I have. I have one more point I'd like to make, and I'd like to express my disappointment with Stars organization. And I have to say that because I'm really disappointed that we didn't get Mooderous 2.0. I mean, someone had to say it. Give me the Mooderous in victory green, black, silver, and white, and charge $400 for it, and I will buy Someone it. Someone had to say it. Someone had to say it. I couldn't be more proud of you in this moment. I couldn't be happier to know you. This is such a beautiful moment. Somebody has to, somebody has to take the brave stances, and I'll be that person. I mean, I, you did it. The Mooderous is hockey perfection, and I will take no Mooderous slander 
it's, anywhere it's, around this podcast. We only saw the back of the jersey. You won't be getting it from me. There's still, there's still hope that <laughs> jersey has a meter on it. So. <laughs> the jersey. Could you, could you really, could you imagine if Adidas just said, you know what, crank it. Let's just U-turn from that classic Stanley Cup jersey. We tease him with the 99. Let's hit him with the Mooneris and see what they think. Dude, that would, it would be so out of left field and so perfect. Just maybe one day. Just as it should be. Jason, anything to uh, leave us off with? Uh, don't forget to spay and neuter your pets, guys. God, that's an homage. That's beautiful. Um, well, guys, it's episode two in the books. Thank you so much for joining in to the Wada Hockey Podcast. I am again speaking for Patrick and Jason. And as always, don't forget your Kermit tattoos. We'll talk to you guys soon.